From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, happy Friday. Thanks so much for tuning in. It has been a very busy week here in D.C. Control of the U.S. House was decided as the GOP now has 218 seats with five races still undecided. Nancy Pelosi announcing she will not seek a leadership position among the Democrats in the next Congress. What does that mean for the way that the House will operate in the 118th Congress? What will the Republican leadership look like? We're going to talk about that today. Also, the Senate worked late into the night so Senator Schumer could advance his Disrespect for Marriage Act. We'll hold a cloture vote on the substitute amendment when the Senate comes back into session on the Monday after Thanksgiving. Let me be clear. Passing the Respect for Marriage Act is not a matter of if, but only of when. I thank my colleagues from both sides of the aisle who've led this bill, and I have zero doubt that respect for marriage will soon be the law of the land. But opposition is building as the true intent of this bill is exposed. Proponents of this bill claim that the substitute amendment we saw for the first time just a few days ago somehow fixes all the concerns raised by those of us who want to protect religious liberty. They're wrong. They couldn't be more wrong. They're sadly, sadly, and severely mistaken. That was Utah Senator Mike Lee, who is leading the effort to stop this bill unless it is the religious liberty attacks in the bill are addressed. We're to discuss the threats of this misnamed bill with Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry, who voted for the bill then when it was rushed through the House back in July, but after the measure was exposed, he is now working to kill the measure. He joins us to explain why. And the proponents of the so-called Respect for Marriage Act are claiming that religious freedom is protected. But what does the bill actually say? We're going to be joined by Roger Severino, Vice President for Domestic Policy at the Heritage Foundation and former member of the Trump administration in the Civil Rights Department at the Department of Health and Human Services. I have a question for you. Does public policy matter? What about the effort to put constitutionalists onto the courts? Does that make any difference? Well, we're going to be talking with Dr. Michael New from Catholic University. He's got some research that answers that question. Also, Travis Weber, Vice President of Public Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council, joins me for a wrap-up of the week. And a very encouraging gathering took place this week in Washington, D.C. It was a gathering of Latin American leaders. He's going to tell us about it later here on Washington Watch. <clears throat> the word for today comes from Hosea 14:9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, the righteous walk in them, but the transgressors stumble in them. The prophet Hosea places a test at the end of his book, which really summarizes his whole message. The wise, discerning person will know this. The ways of the Lord are correct. They provide the best path for life. But knowing that is not enough. You have to walk in them. That's where the rubber meets the road. Proverbs 16, 17 says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who keeps his way preserves his soul. Knowing what to do is simple. God lays out the path to peace, purpose, and provision. Doing is the real challenge. But that is what distinguishes the wise and discerning from the rest of the world. To join us in our two-year journey through the Bible, go to TonyPerkins.com. Well, led by Senator Chuck Schumer of New York and the Democrats, the Senate met late into the night last night in their effort to push through the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. It's very telling that Democrats are attempting this during the lame duck session of Congress. This is after the midterm elections, when many of those voting on this bill will no longer be accountable to the American people. The fight is not over. That's why you need to contact your senators before they return from Thanksgiving. Joining me now to discuss the latest on this and, and, and dissect this bill and why it does not do what the proponents say in terms of protecting religious freedom is Roger Severino. He's the vice president of domestic policy at the Heritage Foundation. He previously served as the director of the HHS Office of Civil Rights in the Trump administration. Roger, welcome back to the program. 
Thanks for having me, Tony. So you've uh, you've been diving into this, doing some fact checking about uh, the claims made in this bill. And so let me just ask you a few questions about the claims that they make. Uh, they say that you know groups, organizations, institutions that uh, refuse to acknowledge this redefinition of marriage uh, will, will not be treated like bigots by the government. What do you say to that? Well. That's the entire point of this bill. They are trying to cement same-sex marriage into every nook and cranny of the law when it is absolutely unnecessary after the Obergefell decision. There's not a single benefit, protection, or right that is secured that isn't already available to same-sex couples under that Supreme Court decision that's added to this bill. What is added is the ability for people to sue people of faith who disagree on same-sex marriage particularly religious nonprofits, tax-exempt organizations, adoption agencies, religious schools, any of these groups that don't bend the knee to the new definition of marriage is going to be at risk and targeted. They don't have the sufficient religious liberty protections in law, and now this bill would arm the opponents of religious liberty with a new cudgel to use against institutions of faith to try to exclude them from the public square. And you said it right. It's really about labeling them as bigots. And that's going to set a whole chain of events down the line that will erode their ability to participate fully in the public square. Now, Roger, they're claiming that this bill would actually would not take away tax-exempt status from organizations, churches, and others that refuse to recognize same-sex marriage. What do you say to that? Well, it, it's naive to think that's not how it's going to be used. During the oral arguments back under Obama, his chief lawyer before the Supreme Court was asked, is this going to be an issue with tax exempt status? And he admitted that, yes, it was. He was honest. This is what happens when the left puts each brick on the wall. And when you turn around, all of a sudden, religious liberty is gone. There's people on one side of the brick wall and religious liberty excluded on the other. And one of the ways they're going to do it is tax exempt status. You heard Beto O'Rourke say that that's what they're going after, right? This is not a secret. It is obvious. And once you establish a national policy, when the people through the representatives in Congress say this and compare same-sex marriage rights and those who object to people against interracial marriage, which is what this bill does, we know where this leads. It's happened before. In the 80s, a religious university lost their tax exempt status because they violated non-discrimination laws. But that was race. And they want to compare people who believe in man-woman marriage to racists. So the, the bill itself doesn't uh, take away that tax exemption, but it's not going to prevent it from being taken away elsewhere. That's exactly right, right? So the bill is saying same-sex marriage is equivalent to anti-miscegenation laws, right? The interracial marriage question. Once you set that policy in place, the IRS will have all it needs to say, well, we have Obergefell, we have this you know, so-called Respect for Marriage Act, we're now going to take the tax exempt status away from religious organizations who treat uh, men, man and woman marriage as the only true version of marriage. That's the way it goes, and the left knows this. That's well, why they're unwilling to adopt any amendment to actually prevent this from happening. A good point, Roger, because, I mean, you've seen this. You've been on the inside of government, and, and Congress will often just pass kind of a nebulous law or something that is open-ended, they don't do the dirty work, but they let somebody else do it. In this case, they're not going to be the ones to take away the tax-exempt status of organizations that refuse to uh, acknowledge same-sex marriage, but they don't prohibit the IRS from doing it. Well, they're setting the stage for it. It's not just that they don't prohibit it. They're giving them the ammunition to do it by establishing this national policy of same-sex marriage when there's no other reason for it. Because Obergefell already covers all the rights and privileges uh, under same-sex marriage. So it's just a gratuitous swipe to create a right for people to sue people who disagree on the question of marriage. It's, a, it's about exclusion, driving people of faith away, pouring salt in the wound. There's all sorts of analogies you could use. Right. But this is a fact, and people should have their eyes wide open. So as I've read through it, the, the only thing I can come away <clears throat> excuse me, the only thing I can come away with that it looks like they do protect is that it appears that they would not force a religious institution to perform a same-sex wedding or be involved in that. But there's no protections that I see enumerated in here for the individual. And the First Amendment is to individuals. It's not to institutions. 
Yes. So it, it makes a gesture to religious liberty in saying it won't force pastors and other religious organizations to solemnize or celebrate same-sex weddings. That right is already guaranteed by the First Amendment to the Constitution. If the First Amendment means anything, is that the government can't force a pastor or religious institution to violate their beliefs and within their four walls of their church, synagogue, or mosque to perform a marriage contrary to their faith. We're, we're not that far gone as a country yet. But they provide no protection whatsoever for Jack Phillips, Baron L. Stutzman, these people of faith who want to bring their faith and views on marriage into the public sphere in the way they run their businesses, the, the bakers, the photographers, the florists, they have no protection whatsoever in this bill. Isn't that what religious freedom is? Isn't that what that has been historically in this country, the ability to live your life according to your faith? Yes, that, that's, look, we were, we were told same-sex marriage was about live and let live. That was a lie, right? Many of us knew it was a lie at the time. It was about winner take all. The left agenda wanted to say, we're going to leave people of faith alone, but that was never the case. And this is now the very next step of, of that plan. When they set this national policy, the, the next things to come are, you're going to lose your ability to perform, to assist in adoption. If you believe that every child deserves a married mother and a father. We saw that in Boston. We saw that in Illinois and California, adoption agencies being excluded. This is going to add another arrow to the quiver of the left to attack those agencies, religious schools that have their views of, of marriage that they want to pass on. Um, and, of course, we have any, a whole myriad of religious nonprofits that are going to be excluded. Look, this administration um, is beholden to the left. The left has pushed to drive nuns out of the business of helping uh, folks in their last days who have nobody else to take care of them when they're dying because they disagreed with the sexual revolution. They will stop at nothing. And it's going to be contracts, adoption, tax exempt status, whatever avenue they have, they will take. And we this just, is just going to help. We just have a minute left. But, Roger, I mean, this would also apply to individuals. I mean, could this ultimately lead to someone wanting a uh, being employed as a civil servant that they have to either be silent about their views or marriage or they may not be hired? We would hope that the free speech clause and a free exercise clause would protect people. That's to be determined, right? There, there's no limit to how far the left will go. When we have teachers being fired because they refuse to use a pronoun that is different than the student's biological reality, and that's where we are right now. Yeah. So we're fighting for basic questions. So this is just another argument that the left is going to use, that, look, Congress has spoken, and if you disagree, you are bigoted, and therefore you should lose. Yeah, that's my take on this. This is a green light to the left's acceleration of persecution of people of faith. Uh, Roger Severino, thank you so much. Very thoughtful uh, analysis. We're going to have it up on the website, TonyPerkins.com. We'll encourage people to take a look at it. Thanks for joining us on this Friday. Thank you, Tony. And, and folks, you can. You can find this at TonyPerkins.com. Uh, it's a, about a four-page analysis that Roger put together kind of dissecting the claims of the left based upon the actual bill. Um, well, speaking of deception, um, Pennsylvania Congressman Scott Perry voted for the so-called Respect for Marriage Act when it was rushed to the House floor back in July. Well, he has since changed his position after it's been exposed. He joins us next to explain here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Congressman Scott Perry joins us next. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. 
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that first by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose. Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Friday afternoon. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, as I've discussed Repeatedly over the last couple of days, 12 Republican senators joined with Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to support a procedural vote to rush through the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. Now, the harmful impact this bill will have on religious freedom and our country on parental rights cannot be overstated. The fight's not over. Senator Lee has offered an amendment that would protect the religious freedom rights of Americans. Now, so far, the Democrats are refusing to take up his amendment But this would protect religious freedom, which includes the rights of parents to protect their children from indoctrination. Joining me now to discuss this is Congressman Scott Perry. He serves on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the House Transportation Committee, and Infrastructure Committee, and uh, is a member and actually the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. He represents Pennsylvania's 4th Congressional District. Uh, Congressman Perry, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. And you couldn't be more correct. Look, they're doing the same thing in the Senate that they did in the House. This bill did not come through committee in the House. It went directly, came directly to the floor. We didn't have a lot of information on it. Tony, when when they were calling for the vote, I was on the phone with my pastor, with a local Catholic priest, with other pastors in my local church. And we were given a choice, as we understood it in this bill, to either vote against traditional marriage or vote against interracial marriage. And of course, I don't, I'm against either one of them, but you had to make a choice. And so when I walked onto the floor, of course, the vote was on. I had to vote almost immediately. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I calculated incorrectly, and maybe that's the best way to put it, that my longstanding support of traditional marriage would be understood. And I didn't want to vote against interracial marriage. That's the same trick they're playing now. Now they're going to offer some kind of amendment, but but this actually literally destroys religious freedom and, and, and the ability to enforce religious freedom, which is really important. And that's why they're doing this. So I want to encourage my friends on the on the Senate side of the building to not be fooled. That's exactly what this is all about. And anything less than the Mike Lee amendment is going to be unacceptable. So if the Democrats don't allow that amendment to be in order and for that amendment to pass, you absolutely must vote no. It's interesting how they they put this in the context of interracial marriage, and so that you were you, you were going to be a racist if you voted against this bill. I mean, that's the way they have put it. But uh, again, there's a reason that we have rules that these things are supposed to go through committee. They're supposed to be debated, but that's not been happening. 
That actually brings up another issue with the new Congress being in the hands of Republicans, the 118th Congress. Is that something that will change so this type of stuff won't happen? People actually be able to know what they're voting on? Well, it darn sure better, as you know, Tony, that's exactly what I and other members of the Freedom Caucus and quite honestly, other members, even members elect that just came to Congress are fighting for right now is to make sure that we, among other things, have time to read the bills. You know, Tony, there hasn't been an amendment on the floor in six years. You can't even represent your district. All of that stuff has to end. And we are fighting for that. We shouldn't have to fight for it, quite honestly, but we are right now. So Yeah, you need time to review bills to make sure that these kind of things aren't hidden in them. It's exactly why the left and the Democrats ran it this way. And, uh, you know, it tricks people. You don't want to be a racist, but you're not against traditional marriage. You shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to make that choice. Yet that was the choice in the bill. And that's what's facing senators. And they probably if they have not gone through it, uh, the subtleties of it, they don't realize that this is an absolute assault on religious liberty and the ability to enforce uh, the freedom of religion. That's what's really important here. It's one thing to say it, Tony, but it's another thing to enforce it. Countries around the world say it, but there's only one that enforces it, and the Democrats are trying to destroy that right now. Now, I do hope the senators will, uh, these 12 will come to their senses, at least these 12 uh, on the Republican side. Although I will say, uh, Congressman Perry, they had a little more time to look at. They saw the fallout in the House uh, after it was rushed through, and they had the month of August to look at this and, and September, and now this was rushed through after in this lame duck session of Congress where uh, there's about a half dozen of these senators who will not be, uh, they're retiring, so they won't be standing before voters again, so there's no accountability. But this is, and you've looked at this, you've had multiple discussions with this, and I think yes, people I need to realize this is probably one of the most egregious assaults on religious freedom and the rights of parents. Because when you talk about what's happening in classrooms across America, the indoctrination, this is linked to it. You're absolutely right. And this is by design. And I would encourage any of those senators, if they have if they have any reservation at all, they should contact me. I'm happy to talk to them about the thought process through this, but I guarantee them if they're voting on this bill as a standalone or there's something less than the Mike Lee amendment, um, that that, that it will be a mistake. This will be a mistake for them if they vote for this, and I would encourage them absolutely to not do it. All right. Uh, Congressman Perry, before I let you go, one final question. Going back to the 118th Congress, Freedom Caucus... uh, what are the objectives of the Freedom Caucus going into this uh, to this new Congress? Well, the, ge- the objectives generally are that we want all members of Congress, not just Freedom Caucus and not just Republicans, all members to be empowered. We don't like this centralization of power at the top so that, for instance, you can't make amendments and you have to go through some leadership to represent your district. All of us have the same election certificate, all 435 of us. So one of us should be more important than the other. We know that we have to have leadership to administer the operation in the House of Representatives, but it shouldn't be used to silence the voices of members of Congress. And so we are we are asking and at some point uh, requesting from our leadership to either open up the process or, or there's going to have to be changes, Tony. You know, you can't keep doing the same things under the same conditions with the same people and think there's going to be a different outcome. Yet uh, in the Senate, they just reelected Mitch McConnell in the House. We look like we're headed for uh, the same the same circumstance, the same set of rules. How do we think things are going to be different? The country is in trouble right now. We have to make a course correction. Yeah, I think you're right. You can't can't keep doing the same thing. Expect different yeah. results. Uh, Congressman right. Scott Perry, good to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, sir. God bless All you. Right. All right, folks, uh, there's going to be a week off. We're going to talk more about this a little bit later with Travis Weber, but they're going to be back home for Thanksgiving. But they need to hear from you. If you want to stay involved in this to protect religious freedom and the rights of parents to protect their children from this radical indoctrination that's taking place, well, then text the word DUCK, D-U-C-K, to 67742. That's 67742, the word DUCK. We'll get you a link so you can stay up to date on this lame duck session of Congress that's going to go through the end of December. All right, stick around. More Washington Watch straight ahead on the other side of this break.
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. This is Washington Watch. Good to have you with us on this Friday. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, someone asked, does public policy really matter? Does it, does it matter that we're involved in these things, that you make those phone calls, that you send those emails, that some of you run for office and actually hold office? Do court decisions matter? You know, we've been voting for pro-life judges forever. Does it matter? Well, that's what we're going to discuss. The Supreme Court's decision in the recent Dobbs case which overturned Roe v. Wade, you know, came as a result of almost 50 years of prayer, political activism, education, and ministry. Now, we knew the decision would have an impact, no question about it. But enough time has passed for researchers to process the data on the number of lives saved. It is already believed that the Texas heartbeat law saved approximately 10,000 lives in the first five months after it was passed. But what about the Dobbs decisions? What about that effect in the other states? Joining me now to discuss this is Michael New. He is an associate scholar at the Charlotte Lozier Institute and an assistant professor of practice at the Catholic University of America. Uh, Michael, welcome back to the program. Oh, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. So you've been researching and writing on this topic for a while. Tell us what you have found. Sure. I just released a study of the Texas Heartbeat Act with the Charlotte Lozier Institute. And right after the Heartbeat Act took effect on September 1st, 2021, we saw a big drop in the number of abortions performed in Texas. Over the next five months, 10,000 fewer abortions took place. Now, some people just claim that women in Texas were getting abortions in other states. So what I also did was looked at birth data. And I found that some seven months after the Heartbeat Act took effect, there were a lot of births taking place. Uh, we saw an increased number of births by about 5,000. So I think there's very powerful evidence that the Texas Heartbeat Act is saving thousands of lives. So is it safe to say, Michael, that public policy matters on these issues? Oh, public policy matters a great deal. I mean, there's a very good body of evidence showing that pro-life laws save lives and even incremental things we do, like preventing state Medicaid programs from covering abortion or requiring that you know, minor girls tell their parents uh, before they're obtaining an abortion. All these incremental laws do have a positive impact, and it does add up. Now, I've noticed that the media, the legacy media, it, it isn't quite sure how to cover this. They can't decide if it's better for their calls to inflate the number or to underestimate it. Well, what I've typically found is they really try to downplay uh, the efforts of pro-lifers. 
Uh, they're always very eager to raise skepticism about the number of lives that, you know, poor life laws save. They're always telling us that we should spend money on contraception programs or welfare. Uh, but when you really look at it, you know, there's just a very, very strong body of data that shows that the Texas Heartbeat Act and other kinds of pro-life laws really have a great track record of protecting women and saving unborn children. Michael, you may already be doing this, but, um, you know, as we see states now, this issue of abortion going back to the states and we're going to have some states like Texas and uh, Louisiana, uh, Arkansas and others that embrace life while you have California, New York, Maryland and others that embrace abortion. Are there other um, issues surrounding it that we'll be able to see quality of life issues, states that embrace life have a more vibrant environment that is welcoming to life in many different respects? Yeah, I do think that, you know, permissive abortion laws really have kind of undermined families. You know, I think they made it much, much easier for men to walk away from women they impregnate. You know, I think the fact that, you know, we have good, strong pro-life laws in place are going to strengthen families. And I think as data comes out, we're going to see that, you know, much stronger families in places where unborn children are protected uh, than in places where unborn children are, are vulnerable. And that's going to have economic effects upon those states. Uh, number one, it's going to have, a, in years to come, it's going to have an effect upon the workforce. But as you have stronger families, you have uh, less of a need for government intervention and government programs. And I, I think within time, I would say within a decade, you're going to see states are going to be healthier and more prosperous and economically inviting that embrace life now. I, I think it's just I think it's going to make a clear choice for Americans to choose what kind of state they want to live in. Yeah, but I agree that for kind of markets to flourish and for the economy to flourish, you know, one thing we teach our students at the Catholic University of America is that you need strong families. And you know, pro-life laws and other kinds of you know pro-life, pro-family laws strengthen families. And down the road, that's going to have very positive economic impacts. A final question for you, uh, Michael, as you. You know, you've been working on this issue. You look at it uh, constantly. What do you anticipate over the next two years in terms of this issue of the sanctity of life at the state level? You know, I think we're going to make progress. I mean, it's very exciting. I think there's roughly 13 states already that have passed laws protecting you know, all preborn children. Uh, other states are going to follow suit. I think South Carolina is on the verge of passing a very strong pro-life law. Uh, other states have been a little bit slower just due to circumstantial or political reasons. But, you know, overall, I think you're going to see pro-lifers make some gains, uh, more pre-born children be protected, and abortion numbers go down. All right, uh, Michael New, always good to see you. Thanks so much for uh, dropping in and appreciate the research you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. Much appreciated. All right, uh, Michael New, Catholic University. I think... The life issue is going to be a defining issue for the states. Uh, it's not new. I've talked about this before. But I do believe that states that embrace life, which is embracing truth, which is aligning itself with principles of Scripture, I believe God's blessing is going to flow upon those states. And I'm praying for that to occur as well. You've got states like Oklahoma, uh, states like, uh, well, like I said, Louisiana, my home state, Texas. Uh, others that have embraced life, Ohio has actually embraced it, that God's blessing would come upon those states. And I think people are going to be attracted to those states, wanting to leave the pro-abortion states that have embraced a culture of death. All right, don't go away. Coming up next, Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at FRC, joins me as we take a wrap on the week and also dig a little bit deeper in this disrespect for marriage act. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. 
Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, Students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us on this uh, Friday. A lot happening this week, very, very busy week. But good news is both the House and the Senate are gone at least until after Thanksgiving. But when they return, they will pick right back up where they left off as this lame duck session of Congress continues. Now, I explained before, but just uh, for the benefit of those that may be joining us new, the lame duck session of Congress, that's the period of time that runs from the election until the new Congress is sworn in, and that comes on January the 3rd. That's when the 118th Congress will begin. Now, why do they call it a lame duck? Well, because you've got some lame ducks here. You've got men and women who have either been voted out of office or are retiring, and they're deciding on policy that will impact the nation going forward. And that's what this so-called dis- the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, it's more of a Disrespect for Marriage Act, actually does. Now, Chuck Schumer, Democratic leader in the Senate, last night said they will vote on it when they come back on the Monday after Thanksgiving. So here's what we need. We need you to be involved in this. And if you want to track what's happening in this lame duck session of Congress so that you can respond to it and be involved, text the word duck, D-U-C-K, to 67742. That's 67742, the word duck. You'll have a link. That way you'll stay in touch with us as to what's happening in this lame duck session of Congress. All right, joining me now to kind of Bring us up to date on what's been happening this week and what we anticipate uh, coming uh, to us after Thanksgiving. Travis Weber, Vice President of Policy and Government Affairs here at the Family Research Council. Travis, welcome back. Thank you, Tony. It's been a uh, busy, busy week. Yeah, it has. And so, uh, you know, the big item, obviously, the Respect for Marriage Act, but really disrespecting the institution of marriage, violating religious freedom for all the problems we've been discussing. Uh, We're looking at, again, a vote November 28th that needs 60 senators to agree. That vote is actually going to adopt, in theory, the the supposed religious freedom protecting texts. You know, it doesn't, but they're going to uh, presume to proceed to that vote. A few days later, another 60 vote, cloture vote to actually vote on that bill. Uh, Then final passage, which needs 50 votes. So two more opportunities for senators to do the right thing, recognize it does not protect religious freedom. And how it made it through the first hurdle is you had 12 Republicans who joined with Chuck Schumer and the Democrats to to approve it, saying or going on, not approving it, but moving the process forward. 
And so they're claiming it protects religious freedom. But we've seen through the debate in the analysis of the bill, we were just talking with Roger Severino earlier in the program, it's fraudulent. It doesn't. And and I've got a clip of uh, Senator James Lankford, who's been working along with Senator Mike Lee to to really expose what this bill does. Play clip number six, please. Multiple members have brought amendments and said, let's fix it. And yet they're being told over and over again, no amendments. We're not going to fix it. You know what that tells me? These are not mistakes in the drafting. This was purposeful. Again, that's Senator James Lankford of Oklahoma. What he's saying, uh, Travis, is that you know, Mike Lee has a true religious freedom amendment. They won't hear of it. Yeah, no serious desire to actually protect religious liberty. Just want to, they just want to claim to protect religious liberty. And, uh, you know, as, as it's been discussed, the, the current proposal doesn't protect anyone except in uh, the performance of marriages in certain limited situations. So it throws small business owners under the bus, anyone who wants to stick to their faith in context of marriage and how it's lived out in society, thrown under the bus, not protected, not protected here. All right, so let's talk action here. Let's yeah. talk about uh, the, the 12 members, or at least those that should be persuadable on this, that our listeners and viewers can talk to, to maybe talk some sense into them by contacting their offices. Yeah, so Jer- Joni Ernst, uh, Roy Blunt, Cynthia Lummis, Todd Young should need to hear from our people that this was unacceptable, and they can't stand up and claim to protect religious freedom. So they're, they're all trying to do, get away with voting for this, which they're also trying to do. So what's before them now when they return is that Mike Lee, uh, James Langford, and others are saying, look, all right, if you want to vote for this, put this amendment on that will truly protect the re- the religious freedom rights of individuals and institutions. And so if, if you really want to support this bill, then put true religious freedom um, protections in place. That's that, that's what they're that, that's, that's the proposal. That's the proposal. And, and so no senator should be supporting this without Mike Lee's amendment adopted. They should be saying. Uh, for our support for this bill, Senator right. Lee's amendment needs to be adopted. That's right. the and he's here. known as the kind of the constitutional expert among he, the He knows what he's doing. He, he does. So what's disturbing, you have, you have uh, Senator Roy Blunt of Missouri, who you know, has been a part of the Values Action Team, both in the House and then when he went to the Senate. You have Joni Ernst, who is actually a co-chair, and the incoming uh, chair of the policy uh, for the Senate in the new uh, in the new n- new Senate when they come in next year, um, she's from Iowa. Uh, you have Todd Young of Indiana. Uh, he shouldn't be supporting this, and uh, Lummis of, uh, of Wyoming shouldn't be supporting this. So, uh, folks, you need to reach out to them. You can either do that by calling the Capitol switchboard. The, the switchboard will still be open, even though they're out of town. But you're you're just going to get a recording. It's better if you just tux, text the word duck. Duck to 67742. We'll give you the link where you can email, contact them, but by all means, weigh in with them during this next week when they're back in their uh, home states. Yeah, absolutely, Tony. They need to hear from us because we're, um, we're going to see votes in the Senate on this after uh, Thanksgiving. We're going to see a vote Monday the 28th and one several days later. Those are opportunities for senators to see the light and, and see that the bill of goods they've been sold here does not protect religious freedoms. Whoever's speaking to them saying, oh, yeah, you can protect religious freedom, just agree to this text. Well, it's a failure. And I, 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 earlier in the program, we had uh, Scott Perry of Pennsylvania on. I give him credit. Uh, you know, we we took him to task for voting for this when it came out of the House, but he's acknowledged it was a mistake. He came on the program earlier saying that, you know, they rushed this through. They said this was about interracial marriage. They're doing the same thing. Actually, when you look at the title of the bill, they tried to do the same thing in the Senate. And, and now he's working to um, to stop it. So, you know, it, it, it's not a big deal. If three of those 12 senators would say, you know what, uh, this was rushed through. I didn't really think through it, didn't see this. And as long as they're not they're not willing to address the religious freedom measures in the Senate, I can't support this. So th- there's a way for these senators just to to step back from this. Absolutely. And, and this moment we we stand at here with these votes is, I believe, will reverberate into years, if not decades ahead. All right. Um, this is taking up a lot of the oxygen uh, here in, in D.C., but there's other bills that could come in behind this. Absolutely. I mean, Tony, we have a list of bills we've been tracking passing the House 
could be see action in the Senate, uh, two of them dealing with voting, the, the H.R. 1, H.R. 4, Democrats, basically national takeover of elections bills they've been trying to push. Equality Act, obviously, uh, listener is familiar with that. Uh, and some other uh, some other bills, some that could be used to go after those with uh, traditional values and conservative beliefs as domestic, basically domestic terrorists and, and classify uh, them as such. Others pushing LGBT agenda and credit reporting, data inclusion. Um, we're looking at a possible vote, you know, the, the abortion issue as well. There's I mean, they've said that they want to codify Roe into law. They've I mean, said that's that's on the list of potential threats. And you so know, they, I, they could be emboldened if they're able to launch this attack on religious freedom to come with these other measures. These are all values concerns. Yeah. So they see one, they're going to go for others. All right. Uh, so, folks, you need to be engaged. I know we're going to take a time off for Thanksgiving, and, and we encourage everyone to do that, but we still have to keep our eye on what is happening. These issues, as Travis pointed out, that you don't just vote on them today and it's gone tomorrow. These are things that are going to impact our lives for years to come. In fact, one of the things that concerns me most about this Disrespect for Marriage Act is it's going to, as I mentioned earlier in the program, it's going to give a green light to the left to, to target people who refuse to surrender to this redefinition of not just marriage, but of human sexuality. And the parents who have been working to protect their children from this indoctrination that's been taking place in classrooms, well, they're going to be public enemy number one. Don't think that this is going to stop with the issue of marriage. It didn't with Obergefell. It is going to continue, and it's going to be a, a club. It'll be a club with which the left can beat people of faith. All right, Travis, I don't want to wrap up the week without uh, some positive. Mm. And there were some positive things this week. We had a, a, a organization from Latin America that was here with Latin American lawmakers, members of parliament and uh, legislatures that were here meeting. These were Christian men and women coming here, um, wanting to collaborate, work together to advance biblical truth in public policy. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's a very fascinating, encouraging sign to see uh, representatives, elected leaders from Latin American countries, Central and South America, coming here saying we are seeing the need to address the challenges in our societies, LGBT agenda, sexuality agendas advancing, abortion advancing, religious freedom being threatened. They're seeing these trends, which we see here in the U.S. They're seeing them uh, uh, grow and the threats grow in Latin America. So they're they're saying our faith has motivated us to engage. You know, we may not have been engaged at one point, but we need to engage. We recognize that we want to link arms with you. And this is encouraging because I think um, you know, the, the Lord is is bringing together his body worldwide. He's bringing together his people, believers, to link arms on the basis of biblical values. This tr transcends nationalities, transcends countries. They're linking arms on a biblical worldview. And that's what they're doing and what they're saying. They're, they're saying they're here to do in partnership with us, saying we want to support you. We affirm America. We love America. Um, we love what America stands for and the freedom you have, and we recognize there is a biblical worldview behind that. And so it's actually very encouraging to see this appreciation, desire for help in their own countries, but willingness to be a support as a co-laborer overseas. It also shows that the connection point with the Latino community, both internationally and domestically for us, are the, are the values and the faith issues. I mean, there, there, there is a very strong component. I've seen it as I've been in uh, you know, Honduras, uh, Guatemala, some, some of these other countries in Central and South America, where they're much more open uh, about their faith. Now, the, the, the kind of the downside is that we have like an administration now that is twisting their arms to adopt our liberal abortion policies and uh, this uh, redefinition of human sexuality. We're linking our, f our foreign aid to the adoption of these uh, policies. Yeah, it's very sad because these people, these countries are being oppressed by 
sources that should not be oppressing them, Western embassies and governments, including the United States, going in and putting a heavy hand on these people who are poor already, saying, you want aid? You have to adopt these radical social policies. And they're saying, we thought you guys were here to help us and help freedom. It's very tragic. And the people of these countries need to understand that the people of the United States do not all support this. There's some who do, many who do not. We want to stand with them. And and it's encouraging, Tony, as well, to recognize that the the cultural, you, re, you mentioned the appreciation of biblical values, it's widespread in a lot of these places. And the, the sad irony of some of this is as people come from Latin American countries to the U.S., in some cases, American culture and social media uh, uh, sends them in a, a direction opposite of biblical worldview. So they're coming here. One polling, bit of polling shows pro-life support among people uh, from Latin America who have not yet fully uh, adopted American culture and uh, trends in social media, showing high, I think, in the 60, 70 percent support for pro-life stance. That dropped to 30 once those same group had been enculturated with American pop culture. And this is important for American believers to understand and know that we have allies and to recognize we need to solidify ourselves around a biblical worldview against the current ideologies that American culture is sometimes pushing. So you spent a good bit of time with this uh, group this week. I, I, I spoke there, was with them last night briefly. But what are the, what are the big, biggest challenges that they are facing? Yeah, I think the big challenges are um, the need to stand up infrastructure and uh, the how the know how uh, to engage as we've been engaging, you know, for for nearly 40 years for FRC, others in the U.S. engaging a long time. We have ways of doing things. They're showing up and saying we recognize we need to engage. Our faith is compelling us. We don't know how. Please tell us how. And so um, there are opportunities for those called by the Lord here to to help and to sow into this um, but the big challenge is, is just tell us how, you know. And, and so, um, but Tony, there's a lot of, of spiritual support within this this group of, of believers the Lord has in these countries. It's an exciting time, and it's an exciting time for us to lock arms, as, as they were asking us to do. And I believe we did when, when they came to D.C. this so week. So the, the, the name of the group is the? Is the Bureau American Congress for Life and Family, the Congreso, for short, for those out there. And um they can reach folks who want to know more about this can reach out to Family Research Council. We can help link them uh, to the group. Uh, but uh, it's going to be an exciting time ahead. It's, it's great to see the collaboration. And, and it's encouraging to see that God is calling more men and women of faith into the realm of government, not just here in the United States, but literally all around yeah, the world. There was a real clear, I think last night, a clear trend or indication of people being called by the Lord and by his spirit to engage. And when God is doing it, it's exciting. We can get on board and uh, we're in, you know, in for an exciting time, although things will be difficult in the years ahead, exciting time walking together with them. All right, Travis Weber. Great to see you. Thank you. And folks, text the word DUCK to 67742 so you can be a part of preserving this republic. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything that you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.